Hey, thanks for listening to the Berwyn AG Podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world. We hope this podcast helps you grow closer to the Lord. For more information, you can visit our website, berwynag.org, or you can find us on all social media platforms at Berwyn AG. If you're blessed by what you hear today, be sure to share and subscribe. Thanks, and as always, God bless. His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. I'll read that again. Verse 10, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this service, God. I thank You for the Word that You've given us, Lord God. I pray that the that the hearts of the people in this place, Lord God, would be ready to receive the encouragement that you want to give them today, Lord God, that you'd be, they would be ready to be built up, Lord God, so that they can go out and do good works. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said, amen. Have you ever built something with your hands? I'm not talking about put together something you bought from Ikea or Target. I mean... You planned it out. You saw a vision in your head. You thought, that's a great idea. You started to draw and sketch what it was going to look like. You went and you gathered all the materials and you planned it all out. And you cut all, everything to size and you really made something with your own two hands. Have you ever done that? Yes. I remember the first thing I ever made with my own two hands. It was a chair. I don't know why I made a chair, but I did make a chair. I remember one day I was looking around my, my uh, parents' garage, which is a dangerous thing to do. And I, I was a young man. Uh, there's a debate on, on what age this was. I like to say it was earlier, mostly because the chair didn't look that nice. So. <laughs> but my, my wife seems to remember me building it, so that would mean I was like 16. So anyway, so I looked in my parents' garage, and I saw all of these broken hockey sticks. And I was like, what can I do with all of these broken hockey sticks? And I thought to myself, I can make a chair. Is it up there? Oh, yeah, that's it. That's my chair. At some point, I ran out of hockey sticks. I started using baseball bats. So I don't know. I don't know. I got, I, I, I got this, this chair. I, was, I saw all these hockey sticks. I gathered all my tears. I was like, I can do something with this. And I, I, I put it together, and I made this chair, and I made it for Pam. Pam taught me how to play hockey. She gave me one of the favorite parts of my childhood. And, uh, and she also had this incredible sports room in her house. It was, like, dedicated to mostly hockey, but she had other sports in there, too. And there was posters and pictures and hockey sticks and, and all this other memorabilia all over the walls and all throughout the room. It was all signed by, by famous uh, um, athletes and, and NHL players and Olympic players, both men's and women's. It was, it's filled. It's a really cool room. Uh, if you ever get a chance to go over to Pam's house, she might show it to you. It does need to be cleaned up. Her, her, her sports room was awesome. And I, was, I saw all these hockey sticks and I was like, I can make a chair for Pam's sports room. She'll love it. 
And so I got, gathered up all my materials. I, I took whatever this vision in my mind was, and I sketched it out on paper, and I cut everything to size, and I built this chair with my own two hands. I built that chair. I built that chair. I built it for pain. Everything that you see is built by someone. From the lights in this room, the light fixtures in this room that were created to illuminate this room, to the pews that you're sitting in that are thankfully padded. Everything that you see was built by someone. From the instruments on the stage that were crafted to make a melody, to the cell phone in your pocket that allows you to tweet and Facebook and Snap and Insta and play words with friends. Everything that you see is built by someone. Every creation has a creator. And a good builder, one who puts thought and effort and planning and preparation and hard work into making their creation, that builder has a special relationship with what they've created. We are God's handiwork. We are His workmanship. As His workmanship, as His creation, we have a special relationship with our Creator. And as God's creation, God has a special plan for us. But unfortunately, we have an enemy of our soul who is working to make us forget that we are creation. We have an enemy of our soul, an accuser, who is, who is, his job is to make us forget whose we are. To make us forget that we are creations of the King. To make us forget our place before God. He wants to make us doubt our place in the kingdom. He wants to make us fear that we cannot be used in God's plan. But we are God's workmanship. And if we want to stand up to our accuser, then we need to know what it means to be God's workmanship. First thing that we need to understand is that God doesn't make bad things. Have you ever made something like a craft with your kid or really any, maybe it was a meal. Have you ever made anything that just didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to turn out? And it come, you finish and you're like, that can't be what it's supposed to look like. And it's so ugly, but maybe your kid helped you make it so you can't throw it away. So it's got to like be put somewhere that no one else can see it. You have like a bunch of stuff that's like shoved in a box way back in your closet of ugly things that you made that you just can't get yourself to throw away because you put hard work into it. God doesn't have that box in his shed of, of, of messed up projects. He doesn't have, uh, like me, a garbage can in the corner of his garage that has little woodworkings that he's completely botched and is just sitting there waiting to be thrown out. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have mistakes. He doesn't make bad things. He makes good things. He makes them and he calls them good. When he made you, he called you very good. Genesis 1.31, God made man and he made a man and woman. And he looked down upon man and he said, very good. I imagine God because I, you know, the Bible gives God a, a male pronoun. So I imagine him, him 
reacting the way that a man reacts when he makes something good. You know what I mean? Ray knows what I'm talking Ray, when you put something on the grill and it, you know it's good and you cut a little piece off and you taste it, what are you doing? Yeah. Yep, you're making a happy dance. You're all excited. You're jumping around. You're, you're praising God. Hallelujah. You're calling everybody else. Women don't cook like this. It's probably because women have like a million other things they're doing while they're cooking. But men are like, woo! Come on, taste that brisket. Come on, let me cut you off a piece. That's nice. That's good. I made that. That's good. Now, full disclosure. On the same day that God made us, he also made livestock. Which, so there's a very good chance that he was patting himself on the back for making prime rib. I'm just being honest. I can't hold that against them because it takes your breath away when you have a good steak. Whoo, that's nice. <laughs> hey, but us men, we make, that, we, we make those noise. We're excited when we make something good because we're like our daddy. When we make something good, we want to stand back and we want to admire that thing. That is very good. God makes very good things. He made you and he called you very good. He's more than satisfied, more than satisfied with his project. We turned out so good because a lot of thought went into our design. We don't normally think of God as a thinker. We just assume because he knows everything that it just happened. But over and over again in the scriptures, we see God described as a planner, a God who is, who is preparing, making preparation, working things out. God thinks through things. He didn't just create us on a whim. We weren't just a wild hair up his butt. I don't know if I could say that from the pulpit, but I just did. I don't know. Hey, scratch that part off the record. He wasn't, he wasn't just thinking one day, nah. I'm going to make Dave. It just, he had been planning for this. He was been preparing for this. There was an order to the way that he was doing it. Everything that he did had a rhyme and a reason to it. He had to. Look at creation. Creation is so complex. The human anatomy is so complex. In order for me to be sitting here, walking across stage, pacing more than I should be, and preaching at the same time, in order for that to be happening, trillions upon trillions upon trillions of neurons have to be firing away. So many factors have to be working right now for me to be breathing. God planned that out. He planned that out. God is a planner. That means that when He made us, He planned for each of us to be different. He didn't make us and just, you know, squirt us out in cookie-cutter form. It's the reason why none of us look alike. Even twins, if you look at, like, identical twins, they're not completely the same. I actually knew a lot of twins when I was growing up. Identical twins, and they, they weren't the same. He makes us each different. He intended it that way. Everything about you both on the outside and the inside, was put there for a reason by the builder. Everything was put there. 
If you look at your phone, the person who built your phone, there's nothing in your phone, especially nowadays that these phones are getting thinner and thinner. There's nothing in your phone that doesn't need to be there. The builder, when he made that phone, he designed it the perfect way that it needed to be in order for me to get everything that I need to get so that, that, every, so that the people can snap an Insta and do everything, make, maybe make phone calls. So they designed it exactly how it needed to be to work with the knowledge that they had. Everything in it is supposed to be there. Everything in you is supposed to be there. And he put it there for a reason. Both biologically speaking, we know that everything in your body has a purpose to it. He knows that there's a reason for everything there. God knows every part of your physiology. It's one of the reasons why when we go to pray to God so that he can uh, you know, give us healing, we can seek God and we can know and be confident that he knows every part of us. All the prayer requests about healing and brokenness in their bodies. God knows every part that's broken. When you take that phone, if you have an app, if you have an iPhone, your phone's broken, who do you take? Where do you take it to get it fixed? And I'm not talking about one of those jank, you know, screen repair places in the mall. Where do you take it to get it fixed? You take it to the Apple store. Why? Because Apple made it. They know everything that's supposed to be there. And so when we are broken, when something in our body isn't working the way that God intended it to work, we can go to God and we can say, hey God, you made your promises. And you know that, I know that you know how to heal me because you built me this way. You know when something's not working right. Even when the doctors can't see it and no one else could, around can know it, you know exactly what isn't working right because you put it there. We have confidence we can seek Him for healing. But it's not just our, our, our physical bodies that God designed. He also designed our personalities. All those quirks about your personality that people make fun of you for. God gave you those things. He gave you the good stuff. All the talents and the abilities and the giftings. He gave you, you know, all your good personality traits. He put those there for a reason. He wanted you to use them. And I would argue that he also gave you the things that you view as bad. It's maybe slightly controversial, but I believe that in a way God gives us the things that we view as bad parts of ourselves. But the enemy likes to tempt those things that God gave us and use them for, for evil. Example, if you're angry, if you struggle with anger, if that's your sin, you're just constantly angry. I would argue that you are, God has given you passion and the enemy is stealing that passion and turning it into anger. Imagine, if, imagine if, if you struggle with anger. I know people that struggle with anger, and they're extremely passionate. They're just extremely passionate towards people who cut them off on the road. <clears throat> imagine if the passion that comes out of you when, when the person who's on their cell phone cuts you off. Imagine if the passion that comes out there was the passion that you had directed towards the things of God. Imagine if you had that kind of passion burning within you when you were sharing the Word of God or when you saw someone who was broken or saw someone who needed Jesus. Imagine if that's what arose out of you. The type of, type of thing that you try, and, you try and push down that anger. This isn't of God. This isn't of God. God says everything I put inside of you is there for a reason. Don't push down your anger. Use it for what I gave it for you for. Take it. Use that passion. 
Lust. You struggle with lust. God gave you a desire to love. But the enemy has taken it and he's warped it into, into, into this lust. God is saying, stop letting the enemy take what I gave you. Stop letting him turn it into, into, the things of, into the things of the world and use it for my goodness. Gluttony. Uh-oh. Gluttony. Imagine if the insatiable appetite that you have, you just can't stop feeding yourself. Both with food and with consumer products. I believe gluttony expands beyond food. You just can't keep taking and taking and taking and taking. It cannot be, you have a desire that cannot be filled. That spirit of gluttony, the devil tries to feed that. Imagine if you had an insatiable spiritual appetite. God said, I gave you an appetite so that you wouldn't stop craving the things of me. Craving the things of righteousness. Imagine if you would just push the enemy away, stop Stop uh, living for the things of the world and just start, just start uh, in, in consuming everything that I have for you with reckless abandonment. God gave you those things for a reason. Nothing inside of you is there by accident. Next thing, our creation was a creation by grace through faith. That means that there's nothing that we could ever do to validate being created. God wasn't wondering, looking around, going, man, you know, I'm really desperate. <sighs> I need someone to go and do some good works. No, he wasn't desperate. God could do whatever he wants to do. He made us for relationship. He made us because he longed to have a relationship, not because he needed it. It was by grace and grace alone, both our initial creation and the, the new creation that we receive when we receive salvation. It was one of grace. Grace through faith. It's not about the good works that we can be done, that can be done. We are to do good works, but we are saved by grace. And we're saved by grace through faith. A gift is not good if it's not received. Let me say that again. A gift is not good. If it's not received, God has given grace, but we, through faith, have to receive that gift and walk in it. Next thing, our creation is a gift from God. Ephesians 9 says that, says that our salvation is a gift from God. We should be happy about our salvation. We should be happy that we have been created with a purpose. We should be happy that we've been created anew. When I was a young kid, I had um, like a step aunt and uncle. At Christmas time, they would always give me the worst gifts. One time, I think I was like eight, they gave me, this is on Christmas or Christmas Eve, they gave me a, a, some napkins, Christmas napkins. First off, what's an eight-year-old going to do with napkins? Second of all, you gave me Christmas napkins on Christmas? I have to, I, you gave me a present that I have to wait 364 days before I can use again? Anyway, I'm not, I'm not opposed to getting a cheap gift, but at least make it make sense. 
That's a bad gift. But we've received a good gift. When you receive a good gift, when you receive something that's worth setting up and organizing and Instagramming it, hashtag blessed. You know the type of gifts I'm talking about? Gifts that you run around. You ever see those videos of the kids when they open up the gift and it's what they wanted and they're like, yes! It's everything I wanted it to be! We need to be happy about our gift. We've been given a gift that's greater than any gift you could ever receive. And yet sometimes we sit around, walk around like, well, I'm saved. Well, just walking through life, hoping I get to the end. No, you've been redeemed. Saints, you've been redeemed. You've been given a gift that's worth bragging about. You've been given a gift that's worth putting all over your social media, making all your friends jealous. You've been given something worth talking about. We can't squander that gift. I think of the parable of the unmerciful servant. The guy's given a gift to, be, to, 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 to have his debts forgiven, but he goes out, he squanders that gift, and he, takes this, and, and he, he doesn't show forgiveness to the person who owes him money. And what happens? He ends up right back where he was. The scary thing, that if we receive the gift from God, but if we squander it, we could end up right back where we were. We can't do that. And the way that we don't do that is by fulfilling our purpose. We were created by someone. Everything is created by someone, but everything is also created for something. Everything in here has a purpose to it. We have a purpose, and our purpose is to do good works. Now, what are exactly our good works? Now, there's a lot of things that can be described as good works, but I want to base my definition off of what it says in Ephesians. It said that God created us, He saved us so that He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed through His kindness. God created us because He desired to show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed through His kindness to the world. That was God's desire. That's the purpose. Those are the good works that we have to do. Our work, our good works is to join in that mission. To become part of of the expression of His incomparable riches of grace. To become an expression of His kindness. God desires, His purpose for us is to do good works. But the way that we show the riches of His grace, expressed through His kindness, is different for each of us. A lot of times we want just a basic, you know, step by step, this is how you do it. You know, we want the the one, two, three, and then it will be done. But that's not how it is for all of us. Remember, God created each of us different. And He did it for a reason. He put different things in each one of us. He designed our personalities to be completely different. Some of us even gave multiple personalities. No, I'm sure. <laughs> he designed each and every one of us to be different. And he did so for a reason. It only makes sense that the ways that he wants us to show his kindness and his grace would be different for each and every one of us. He designed us different. 
And so it's different for each of us. Every gift that you have, every talent that you have, every circumstance that you've gone through, every failure that you have, every victory is just another tool that God has been giving you to put inside your utility belt to use to show grace and kindness to the world. Oh, come on. I'm going to say that again. Every gift that you've received, every gift that you have, every talent that you have, every circumstance you've gone through, every failure that you've endured, every victory that you have is just another tool that God has given you to, be, to show kindness and grace to the world. Come on, this means that your life isn't useless. This means that the things you've gone through, the hardships, the brokenness, everything that you've gone through, it's all purposeful. It all can be used to do good works. There's some hope in that. Last thing that I want us to know here is that our, our purpose is to do good works, but God has been preparing those good works for us. Right now, currently, outside of these walls, God is preparing situations for you to do good works. You probably passed some up as you were walking in. It says He prepares them beforehand for you to do them, for you to walk in them. God has been preparing them for you. They're all around you. Opportunities to do good works. Opportunities to fulfill your purpose. The purpose for which you were saved. The purpose for which you were created. Opportunities to fulfill that all around you. He's been preparing them. We just need to recognize them. How do we recognize them? Well, we need to see the world the way Jesus saw the world. We need to put our Jesus goggles on. See the world differently. All the just monotonous things that we see in the world. Jesus' purpose for all those things. I'm talking about divine appointments. Do you believe in divine appointments? Do you believe that when you go to the grocery store, that there might be someone walking by you that God intended for your paths to cross so that you could share your faith with that person? That there's a serendipitous moment when you both reach for the same apple. And you could say, hey, not put a move on them, but hey. <laughs> you know, speaking of apples, did you know you're full of sin? No, I'm sure. <laughs> There's purpose to everything that you're doing. If we're going to be Christians and believe that God is guiding our path, guiding our steps, preparing our steps, if we want to believe that He knows the plans that He has for us, plans that He's had for us since we were in the womb, then we got to believe that God is, that if we're going to be directed by the Spirit, that He's going to put things in our way that He wants to, us to cross. And we got to see them. Jesus looked at things so much differently. It says that, he, that you know, God doesn't look at the outer appearance, He looks at the heart. Jesus looked at the world differently. He saw, uh, uh, yesterday we had the men's conference. Hey, yesterday our men got an award at the men's conference we're at. I want to thank uh, Ray for organizing that. He did a really good job getting all the men together, doing all that stuff. And, uh, and we got this really cool sword. I'm going to show you guys right here. Look at this thing. Yeah, freedom! Look at this thing. 
we got this cool sword. And, I'm going to show you. Um, and we got it because we brought the most men to this men's conference. It's pretty cool. Anyway, shout out to the men in our church. I can't remember why I said that. Uh, where am I at? Oh, uh, yesterday at the men's conference, it was really good. And uh, I can't remember who said it, but in one of the classes or, or, or speakers, he said that Jesus came at a time that was terrible for a lot of people, terrible for women, terrible for people who weren't Jews, uh, and he was living in, 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 Jer- in Jerusalem, or he was living in Israel at the time, and it was you know, they viewed people around them, viewed the brokenness of children and women and, and Gentiles. They were all not good enough. But Jesus immediately came and he looked at these people and he started saying, bring the children to me. And he started talking to women and, and letting the women follow him, letting them wash his feet, letting them, uh, you know, uh, be part of his ministry. He started talking to Gentiles. He saw the world differently. We need to see the, way, the world the way Jesus sees it. In order to do that, we need to understand how Jesus sees the world. That means we need to dig into this book. And we need to walk in the Spirit. We're a Spirit-filled church. Come on, I said we're a Spirit-filled church. That means that we believe that the Spirit guides us. The Spirit guides us. And if the Spirit guides us, that means we need to listen to the Spirit. We need to have our ears and our eyes open to what the Spirit wants to show us and guide us. There's times that the Spirit might want you to stay at work just a little bit later because you might have a conversation with someone that's going to mean something for the rest of their life. And you have to be willing to listen to that, the Spirit, and not be like, but I really want to go home. I've been here all day. You've got to listen to the Spirit. We have an accuser. We have an accuser that wants you to think that you don't belong in the kingdom of God. He wants you to think that you're so broken that you don't have any place in here. That you don't compare to other Christians who have it all together. He wants you to think. He wants you to think that you don't have a place in the kingdom of God. That you can't be used. That the gifts that God has given you cannot be used for His goodness. I want to tell you right now that God gave you those for a reason. Our accuser is going to accuse us. We need to stand up and say, I am the workmanship of God. I was created in Christ for a reason. I was created to do good works that God has been preparing for me in advance. And by golly, I'm going to walk in them. We need to stand up. As Christians, we need to stand up as a church and start claiming what is rightfully ours. Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. We take pride in creating free content that will hopefully enrich your life and lead you closer to the heart of the Father. If you are blessed by what you heard today, help us continue to make content just like this by sharing, subscribing, 
and if you feel led, by contributing financially on our website, berwinag.org. As always, if there's anything that we can do to help you in your walk with the Lord, contact us on our website, berwinag.org, or on social media at berwinag. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.